welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. How good is God? I really feel like the Holy Spirit's here this morning and has a word that's going to hit people at different levels. So I just pray that your heart be open and ready just to receive what he wants to speak to you this morning. Now, the last three weeks, I've noticed from this platform, I'm not sure if you've been paying attention, but John got up, Pastor Graham got up, and also Pastor Mike got up, and all of them had something to say about these two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. I just want to delve in and just have a little bit of a look and a poke around at these trees this morning. So the title of my message is Source of Life. And we're going to just start off in Genesis 2.9, where it reads, And out of the ground, that's important, out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that was pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then we're just going to come down to verse 16, where it reads, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden, which is Ha'adamah, How'd I go, hun? All right, yeah, good. It means ground. You may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So we have to understand that in the Garden of Eden before the fall, the supernatural and the natural, they coexisted. There was an open heaven over this garden, and so the supernatural was everywhere. You've got God walked among them in the garden. And intense research would suggest that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life were actually supernatural trees, not of the ground. Even in Revelations 22 verses 1 to 2, it talks about the tree of life existing today in heaven, in the spiritual realm. And what I want to pull from this this morning is that when Eve took that apple, there was a natural consequence and there was a supernatural consequence. Yeah. The natural consequence is that it brought about death for the very first time. There was no death before it. The supernatural consequence is that now there's this platform set for us. If you liken it a little bit like a screen door, you know those ones that close automatically? It's, you know, you open a door and it instantly closes. There's this, this platform that's set that no matter what you kind of do in life without Jesus, that you are in this place where we are born into death. We are born into a nature of death. We are born into sinful lifestyle. And it's, it's got this tension here because Dr. Caroline Leaf talks about our brains are actually hardwired for good, but there's this platform of death. You see, Pastor Mike just touched on it last week when he said, you know, he brought out in Romans, the things I want to do, I go and I do the opposite. So you've got this, this tension here, almost like this war that is within us. And so I wanna bring out three things this morning and just talk on how we think, on how we speak, and on how we act. So I'm gonna start in point one, on how we think. Because I think most of the time that, you know, it all starts in here in our heads, and our our words and our actions come from a place of, of what's going on in here. So we're gonna have a really good look at what's going on in your head. 
I'm going to come back and have a look at poor old Eve in the garden. And point one, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, in Genesis 3.1, it reads, Now the serpent, which is the snake, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden, of the ground? You see, Satan, when he speaks, he might use God's word. He'll grab something that's familiar to you, but then just miss out something really, really important, like what else God had to say about the matter. And so he used it and he missed this line. Let's have a look at verse 6. So when the woman saw saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. I'm just going to ask a question right here. Was that tree good for food? Yes? Was it? Really? What was the consequence of eating that fruit? Talk to me. Was that tree good for food? No. It's a big, fat, resounding no. No, it wasn't good for food. It was the worst food ever. Like ever. In the history of time, the food that was going to be the worst one that you could ever eat, that was it. Come on, talk to me. What is the worst food that you've ever had? Did you just say my eggs? Are you joking right now? My eggs are awesome. My dad taught me how to make those. My eggs are awesome. Come on, what else? What else is bad food? What's the worst food that you've ever eaten? Call it out. Mushrooms, Brussels sprouts, I'm with you on that one. What else is there? Liver, I heard liver. Yeah, hey. Tripe? Tripe? Soy milk? (laughs) Oh, I think of like something that's awful. I think of like Brussels sprouts after four days, you know, when it's slimy and cold, maybe got maggots in it. Yeah, yeah, now we're getting nice and juicy. Even that, if you had a mouthful of that, it might put you in hospital or in a coma. But when Eve took a bite of this apple, it was actually death to her and death to all of us forever. It's created this platform that we've now born into. But here's the clincher. I just read here. Is it still? No, no. We've got, she saw that it was good. So when the woman saw that the tree was good, how can you see something and go, that's good? when it's the worst thing ever, like ever. She listened to what the snake had to say, analysed it in her mind. Oh, yep, I hear what you're saying. Did the math, did the sum, and drew a conclusion. This is good. This should terrify us. Our minds left unchecked and unfiltered through God's word It's actually very dangerous. I'm going to bring up this scripture. In 2 Corinthians uh, Corinthians 10.5, 
Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Your thought life is the result of how you are processing life. We must use the word of God as our source. So let me ask you, are the conclusions that you're coming to in your mind, are they God-centered? Do they line up with his word? Are they bringing life? Or are they bringing death on that automatic platform? It's too easy for us to come to conclusions in life that simply aren't truth. For example, you know, you might have a really bad day, bad week, you might have had a bad year. And so you're like, oh, I'm feeling really sad. And you go and do some research and you hit up good old Dr. Google, look at your symptoms, do the math, analyze it, take all of the content and come to a conclusion and go, yep, I am depressed. I am an anxious person. I am a depressed person, full stop. It's, are you? Or are you experiencing depression because of something that's happened to you that you can actually bring before Jesus, get his perspective, get his help, get what his word on what he wants to say, get some healing in your heart and actually go and move past it? Okay. King David had to do this all the time. You've only got to open up Psalms for five minutes and he's already gone through the process three times. <laughs> he's a good one. He's a good one to get into. Negative self-talk will often sound something like this. I am so stupid. I'm so ugly. I am so disappointing. I can't do anything right. I'm not good at anything. I will never be able to do that. I'll never have that. I hate this about myself. I don't deserve this. I don't feel needed or wanted. I'm not respected here. I don't belong. I don't fit in. No one really loves me. No one really sees me. What did they mean by that? Oh, what do they think of me? This kind of self-talk, it's so, so bad for you. Kind of like you're sitting in this, this wasteland in your little automatic, you know, response here. I kind of liken it a little bit to, to Scar, you know, in a, in a wasteland in, from the Lion King, you know, this place that's desolate and dry and dead and lonely. If these are your thoughts, I have to tell you, I need you to know, you've got a snake in your ear. You might have actually listened to it enough that you've started to believe what it's had to say. Feeding your spirit with this kind of self-talk, it is not good for food. It's the worst ever, okay? It's gonna have a natural consequence, but it will also have a spiritual consequence on your life. 
a ripple effect that will rob you of your future, it will rob you of your now, could potentially even rob your children. Ugly self-talk will derail you from your best life. You see, you were born to have many wonderful adventures with Jesus. He's got life for you to live and it is busting at the seams and oozing with life and everything good. Maybe you do have a book in you. Maybe you've got a song in you. Maybe there's a business in you. Maybe there's a child or another child in you. All of these adventures in his life source. And so we have to be intentional. And when I likened it to that screen door, the one that goes back on its hinges when you, you open it, and it automatically closes. When you open that, to keep it open, if you want to keep a door, that door open, there's got to be tension, like there actually has to be intentional pressure applied to keep the door open. If you want to stay in a life source, which is Jesus, I'm not going to get into the technicalities of that, but Jesus is your life source, you have got to be disciplined, discerning, intentional. You've got to grab those thoughts and bring them into light every thought into the captivity and the obedience of Christ. You have to do this. No one can do this for you. You have to do it. You know, a good counsellor will come along and they'll help you for sure. But a good counsellor will come along and empower you to do this. And can I just let you know, you can do this. You can do this. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Yeah. Can I just go back with my beautiful tech team? I know I've jumped ahead a little bit, but there was a picture in there that I would love to bring up. It's of a cartoon. Do we have that? (sighs) Here we go. Because I just want to like the the theme of this scripture today is source of life. And I just want to see this little picture here. It's Fern Gully. It's a silly cartoon that I watched when I was a child. And you'll see this fairy, it's a scene in the movie, where as she moves, the source of life just oozes out of her and things start to grow. She's got flowers that start to bloom in and vines that come out and things start to bud and cedars drop to the ground and then it starts to sprout. And sometimes there's trees and it also almost works like she's got this big wedding gown on and wherever she moves, life oozes from her. And I believe that that's the picture that God has for our lives. What he's wanting for us is to walk in his source of life. And wherever we move, the things just to sprout to life. Bringing self-talk into the light and using God's word as your filter, it's going to reposition you from death to life. It's going to sound a lot like, I am the apple of God's eye. I was worth dying for I am the righteousness of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can pray and believe for that. I am saved by his grace. Jesus' undeserved favour is all over my life. Jesus has given my life purpose. I am seen. I am loved. I am his workmanship. I belong. I see God's goodness. And God knows me, even the innermost thoughts and desires of my heart. This, this is scripture-based. This is what he thinks about you. This is truth. And this is your source of life. This is actually what he hopes for every person. 
So while we're on the topic of our thought life and what's going on in here, I just want to ask a question. Now, we've had a little bit of a chat about how we process information about ourselves. I'm just going to ask the question, what goes on in your head about other people? How do you think about others? Oh, and they're amazing. It's so easy. Oh, they're awesome. That's great. If they're generous, even better. Oh, I love that guy. No worries. I'm all good, Rach. My mind is super healthy. Okay. So when they are hurtful, accusing, rude, toxic, or just plain annoying, how do you think about them then? You laugh, but I know it goes on in your head. I just want to throw something out there so you can see where I'm going with this. People need the Lord. People need Jesus. If someone's sitting in this camp over here, where they're sitting in that desolate place, of course they're going to have toxic behaviour. They're not connected to the life source. These people aren't terrible people. They're just pathless. If you want to pray a dangerous prayer, and I call it dangerous because if you pray this prayer, God will answer it. You ask him to teach you to see them how he sees them. Ask him to love them like he loves them. You see, loving people starts in our minds, bringing every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. I want to bring up point two. (laughs) How? How do we talk? What's coming off our lips? What's coming out of here? Life and death. Let's bring up Proverbs 18.21, where it reads, "'Death and life are in the power of the tongue.'" and they that love it shall eat their fruit thereof. Oh, death and life really are in the power of the tongue. Um, If you miss Pastor Mel's message on let's talk about talking about it, about gossip, go back and have a listen. It was a couple of months ago. It was brilliant. Have a re-listen. Because it can be quite challenging to bring words of life to someone who's spitting poison at you. Again, why are we so surprised when the world acts like the world, when they talk like the world? Hurting people, they hurt people. And whilst it's okay to exercise good boundaries with people, we need to understand boundaries are a gift to God from us and for us to actually help us love people properly. They're not given to us as an excuse to no longer care about people. We don't actually have to fall to the lowest common denominator. You see, they often talk poison because they're connected to poison. If you understand this, then instead of reacting when the poison comes out, we can actually respond in life and in love. We can. We can speak life, prophesy life. We can prophesy it over people without them even recognising it. You can verbally set an expectation that people can rise to. Yeah, I remember being at work uh, a little while back 
And there was this man that came in, and if I'm honest, he was a sketchy-looking guy. He was. He had tattoos all over his body and piercings everywhere, and he had dyed hair, and it was long and dark and really dark clothes, and he came up to buy some flowers. I'm like, oh, good. Anyway, our FPOS machine wasn't working. Oh, I think it's a phone problem. If you work for a phone company, we'll pray for you later. Two hours. Two hours on the phone. So I just need to get that out. Anyway, so, so the FPOS machine, it, you tap and go, and then it takes a while for it to work. And this man came up to buy flowers, and it was taking forever. And I just looked him in the eyeballs, and I went, you know what, mate? You don't have to wait around. I trust you. The guy nearly fell off his, you know, just he nearly fell over. And he's just like, well, I went, yeah, no, take it off. He goes, you, you sure? I went, yeah, I trust you. And I just watched his eyelids, eyelids sort of open a little bit. And then he goes on, he's like, right, right, okay, well, I'm, I'm going away and I'm walking back here in 15 minutes and, and if that doesn't go through, you come and grab me and you let me know because I want to make sure that you get paid. He wanted to make sure that the expectation that I'd just set over him was met. You can set a verbal expectation of life and expect the best in people that they can rise up to. I see this in men all the time at work. They'll come in and, and buy their flowers and I'll just have a bit of a chat to them and, you know, get the reason why and the story behind it. And after I've had a chat and, and sort of digested what's going on, I'll often, as they leave, I'll say, good man. And for many of them, I just, I watch that statement catch them off guard. And again, their, their eyes start to widen a little bit and it's like they've heard it for the first time or that they haven't heard it for a very long time. And you know, and as they go, like it's it sort of, I can see it, it, it interrupts something in their world. It's, it's something that's spoken out there. And now there's this expectation, oh, hang on a second, I'm, she thinks I'm a good man. I get the feeling that a lot of men go away from that. And if they're not a good man, that something inside of them now maybe wants to be or wants to want to be because this crazy lady at the checkout has got this expectation and she's called me good man and there seems to be this bit of respect and honour attached to it and, and it just it messes with their world a little bit. But you can verbally set expectations over people that they can rise to. We can speak life and prophesy life over people without them even knowing about it. You know, in Jewish tradition... One of their customs is on a Friday night, they will sit around the dinner table and the father of the house will go around to every child and tell them how proud he is of them. Every Friday, setting the expectation for their children for them to rise to. Does anyone else have children here? Yeah, I got like so many. If I'm, just, if I'm being really honest, that's just a little raw. I, um, if I had to do this every week and find something for each child to be proud about, there might have been certain occasions, maybe some years, some weeks, sometimes, where I would struggle to find something to be proud about them that day or that week. But it's, it's setting an expectation over your children. You find something and you go, oh, I'm proud of you that they can rise to. You know, when you're talking to your kids and they've done something dumb, which happens. It's like, are you stupid or you're stupid? 
or that was a really silly thing to do, you are better than this. You're speaking life and the expectation that they can rise to. Prophesy life. Yeah, we can use our words to speak life. Best way to do this is be connected to the life source. Open your mouth and out it comes. Just going to throw this out there. What if, what if we used our words just to casually disciple people before they even showed up to this building? Not necessarily hardcore preaching, but just connected to the life source and then open your mouth. Braden Snelling's really good at this. Should go have a chat to him. You know, I was talking to someone recently and uh, she was explaining that her son yeah, had this horrible experience at school and, and was just talking it out. So I just listened, which is a great part of communicating. Make sure you're listening. <laughs> and then I realised my son had just had a similar experience. And so I just started sharing and just went, oh, yeah, our boy had this, you know, a very similar experience. And so my husband and I came home and prayed with him. And we prayed a very specific prayer. We prayed that the situation would be turned around, that he would be vindicated and then celebrated. And she's like, well, I went, yeah. I said, and then a week later, that exact thing happened. And I just unpacked the whole story, you know, event by event of what actually happened. And I remember she just went, huh? You can do that? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you can do that. It wasn't any big, massive preach, but just connected to the life source, just gently discipling people and getting them used to who God is and what he's done and what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Brings me to point three, which is our actions. How do we act? In James 2, 14 to 17, what is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things that they needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Dead. Like over in this camp, desolate, useless, pointless, ugly. <laughs> See, it's one thing to say something, but you know, <laughs> it's just, have you ever heard these people who are like, one day I'm going to blah, 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 blah. Their words don't hold much substance until they actually go and do. Now, I was on uh, Facebook this what, last week. And I noticed that beautiful Jessini put the call out. She's like, oh, I need help with moving. <laughs> then I scrolled down in the comments and Andrew Roper chimed in. Oh, yep, I can help on this day. Then I see Brooke's comment. Oh, yeah, and we need a trailer. I'm like, okay, so Brooke was over there helping. Then I got to give Jasmine a call in the middle of the week. I just wanted to call and check up on her and see how she's going. Oh, yeah, I'm over at Jess's house. I'm helping a pack. I'm like, are you? Saw Hannah's post yesterday. I need a help moving furniture. And then Dusty responds, yep, I can't do it today, but I'll help on this day. Love in action. And I know that in this place, like I only know that because I jumped on Facebook for five minutes. 
There are hundreds of acts that I know that go on in this place of people just responding, just acting, oh, what's the need? I'll just go and sort it over here. I'm so proud to be this church, a church in action and a church in love. You know, in John 13, 35, it says, this is how they, the world, will know that you are my disciples. It's actually by how you love one another. The people sitting over here in this camp, they kind of poke their head over and they go, what's going on over there? Oh, they're looking after each other. They're loving each other. It's powerful. And it's just authentically flows. I think that word's important this morning. It's authentic when you're just plugged in to the life source, plugged in and then re-plugged in and then re-plug in again and grab your thoughts and plug it in and then check your words and come and plug it in and then just spending time in God and you're just plugged in and just authentically flows when you are intentionally connected to the life source. The more time you spend in God's presence, the more your heart will align with his, his heartbeat. Your heart will gently just come and align and beat for the things that it beats his. It's by his anointing that we do these things. This isn't, it's not complicated. It's just authentic. It's just natural. It's just being connected to the life source and then letting that flow out. Do you need to reconnect? Can I just grab the musicians up if that's okay? Do you need to reconnect certain areas of your life to the source of life? Your thoughts, your words, your actions. You know, whether we are planting seeds, watering seeds, whether you've got big growing trees, you know, growing behind you, whether, you, you know, like, it's like our little fern gully girl. God is at work. You know, you might have not even realised that there are a certain areas in your life that you've been unplugged So you start thinking about what your mind's been focusing on, what you dwell on. The Bible says, you know, whatever is good and holy, dwell on these things. And you haven't even noticed that you've been unplugged. It's almost like, have you ever taken a glass of ice cold water on a summer's day and you didn't even know how thirsty you were until that refreshing cold water just hit your throat? Sometimes we're unaware about how parched we were, how thirsty we were. We were living in this place of desolation and we didn't know that there was this life beaming, bursting, full of water, full of goodness, full of purpose, full of His presence, full of His power, full of His authority over here. We have access, you can have access to the life source. But we just have to remember that it was an automatic default. When she ate that fruit, it became an automatic platform. It was set for us. So if you want a different outcome, if you want a different consequence for your life, if you want a different ripple effect for your family, you actually have to 
choose this. Deliberate, intentional, disciplined, decisions to plug into the life source. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that you are the way, that you are the truth, and that you are the life. And Lord, over every person in this place, Lord God, I pray whatever they're wrestling in, God, whatever they're wrestling in in their minds, Lord, that you would just help them to grab that, God. I thank you that you are their help, Father, in a time of need, that you are that can help them to grab these thoughts and bring them into the light, God. I thank you, Father, that you can speak life, Father, where there has been death, that you can change the consequence, that you can change the direction of a person's life, that you are here to breathe upon them, to speak life into, God, for a certain future in you. I just pray for people this morning, God, that you give them the strength to turn to you every time. Amen. Thanks. So good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wasn't that a great message? Thank you, Rach. You know, I was listening to that, and the answer, the source of life is Jesus, it's Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and um, you've been listening to that message. In fact, I know there's people here today that you're listening to that message and you're just like, I need life in my life. I need to be tapped into the source of life. Perhaps you're like Rachel um, described where you speak to yourself words of death. I'm this, I'm that. And you you can't even find words of life. It's simple. It's just you're not connected to the source of life. So the words aren't even in you. What's in you is the foundation that this world has been born into, which is death. But you can change that with just one decision right now. That's the good news of the gospel. The gospel is, is that Jesus Christ, He came, He died, for you and I. He took the burdens and the consequence of every sin that we could ever commit. The people that were, the people here now, and the people to come. Jesus is the answer for all of us. And because of Jesus rising again from dead, from the dead, when we accept him into our hearts, we accept the life into our lives. We accept the change. We we make a decision in that moment that I'm not going to be bound by the general principle of this world which is leading to death but I'm going to be bound to the creator and the one that brings restoration to every life Jesus Christ and so today if you're here in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus I would love you just real boldly to lift your hand as I speak right now And I'm not going to ask you at the front to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. But if you want to connect your life to Jesus, the source of life, would you just be bold and just lift your hand right where you are right now? Thank you, God. I'm just going to give you a, a second to do this. He will, in a moment, in one decision, I see your hand back there, sir. Is there anyone else? There's someone else. Just lift your hands. In this one decision, 
what you might not realise is this decision will change everything in your life. This one decision will change where you end up when you die forever and ever and ever. Man, if you think this life is going on a little bit too long, you wait till the afterlife. You wait until Jesus comes back. Your one decision now will change the outcome. Your one decision now is what will allow you to wake up tomorrow morning the same or completely different because you're then connected to the source of life. So just once more, I'm going to look around. If you'd like to make this decision as well, would you just boldly lift your hand and I'm just going to pray with you. I see your hand there as well. There's one more person in this place. You just lift your hand, just join these guys. I'm just going to pray with you. Be really bold. Thank you. Awesome. You can put your hands, and I see your hand back there too as well. And you can put your hands down. Hey, this is what I'm going to do. It's just this simple. The Bible says we're saved by our faith in Jesus Christ. So it's not by the prayer from the pastor or coming out the front or dance in a particular way or anything like that. It's all about you making that decision you just made and saying, Jesus, you are the God. You are the one that my life needs to be connected to. And when you make that decision, that right there is where he washes every sin of your life away. The consequences of every sin is now washed away for you guys. How powerful is that? He's an amazing God. He's powerful. He's mighty, but man, He's gracious and full of love as well. So you've just made that decision. So I just want to pray with you right now. If, you, if we could all close our eyes, I would love if everyone in this church could repeat this prayer after me out loud. And if you could do this as your first prayer here today as well. Father God, I give you my life. I thank you for salvation. I am now a child of God. I am now a new creation. I am born again. I am redeemed. I am loved. I am victorious. And I will live my life to my best. Because what you have done for me. And I accept salvation. And I live now as a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's put our hands together for these three people. So good.